We look at it again today in Galatians uh, chapter 5, and uh, we'll start with verse 1. I won't ask you to stand uh, right now, uh, but we want to uh, sort of think of a little bit of a story. Uh, and I've, I've got a couple of stories this morning that I'll use as just to maybe think a little bit of what Paul is saying. Uh, there was a pastor that pastored a church, and they had a bad ice storm. It had snowed. Uh, the roads were closed, and there was a river between him and the church that almost connected him and the church together where he lived. And he got up that morning. He couldn't drive. The roads were closed. There were crossings everywhere. And he said, well, I'll put on some skates, and I'll skate to church on the river. The river froze over. So he put on his skates, and he skated to church, and he got to church. The elders of the church met him outside, very displeased that he was skating on Sunday. So they brought him in. They had an emergency meeting that morning. We need to figure out if we need to fire our pastor for skating to church. So they had a couple of things they talked about. And the pastor said, well, it was either me skate on the river and come to church or me stay home and not come to church. Well, that wasn't really enough. They were still kind of mad. So then one of them finally figured out, says, well, they asked him, uh, did you enjoy it? He said, nope. He said, well, that's good enough for us. You're okay. Isn't that sad? And that's just a story, maybe a made-up story. But we could probably think of some legalistic thought processes that churches would go through uh, to address skating on the river to go to church on Sunday. <laughs> that that's bad uh, somehow. And uh, that may put a grin on our faces, uh, but I've probably seen the same, if not worse, uh, over my lifetime in churches. And I'm only 34 years old. And uh, I can't imagine what uh, 50, 60, 70, 80-year-old people have seen and witnessed and even have in their own thought process, which I probably do some too, of a legalistic thought process. Well, you can't do that. <laughs> and that not being any part of salvation and not being part of anything else. But we, we have to stand firm on our freedom as Christians today. And if we're at Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, if you would please stand We'll read the first three verses of Galatians chapter 5, uh, verse 1. It says, stand, ye, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you that if ye be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for allowing us to come together here this morning. We pray that we can understand your word. We pray that you'll help us to apply it to our lives. Lord, I, I pray, Lord, that I've studied it sufficiently, Lord, that I can expound it. I pray, Lord, that you'll continue to help us uh, reach a lost and dying world. I pray that we uh, stand against legalism, that we stand on the true word of God and its teachings. Lord, I, I thank you for the many blessings you've placed in our lives and the many blessings that I see each and every week within this church. In Jesus' name I ask. Amen. You can be uh, seated. Now, with thinking of these first three verses and standing on this freedom, and Paul was writing here to the church at Galatia, it is freedom that Christ has set us free. Uh, Paul was trying to urge the, the Galatian Christians not to be entangled with slavery, with this this type of thought process that they have to go back to legalism. Uh, what good is it to be set free if you're still going to be a slave? 
What good is it for when you're in the bondage of sin, bound for hell, and you get saved, and you're set free, and you bind yourself right back to something else? And I'll tell you very easily and very quickly to understand this, I see that in young Christians' mindsets. I do. There are a lot of very young Christians that they accept Christ through whatever means, through whatever avenue, through whatever uh, preacher, through whatever teachings. Uh, you know, there could be a lot of different teachings that lead you to Christ and understanding His grace and understanding His love, but then they buy into legalism right after that. They say, yes, we're saved. Yes, we accept Christ. And then they follow some sort of crazy dogmatic or they follow a set of rules because we, 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 we want to be a slave. We do. We, we want to bind ourselves to something because it's easy. It's easy to understand that, yes, we have to have a certain st steps, uh, the five steps, the three steps, the two steps, the, uh, the certificate, the whatever. We, we like to be able to have a set, easy way to know that we are saved, we have accepted Christ, certain things we have to do. We are systematic people, and we like to have a system that we do things, and we back up to really what God tells us. He says, have love and have faith, and whoo, that blows our minds. That's it. That's all he asked us to do. And Paul's trying to show this example uh, to the church at Galatia. And he uses the word liberty. He uses the word uh, uh, freedom in, in, in different translations. Uh, and it's, talking, uh, it's very easy to understand that he's talking about a, a slavery. No, no doubt in this time frame when Paul's writing to the church at Galatia, they're slaves and they're slaves in this day and age. And an easy way that the, the slaves got out of bondage, I want you to know how a slave got out of bondage in these days. If somehow he could get some money, he could work and he could get some money, he could put it back, and he could get a little bit of that. If he could get enough of whatever it would take to buy his slavery, this is what he would do. He would go down to the church, and you know what he would do? He would give the money to the church, and he would say, Church, you buy me out of slavery. You know what the church would do? The church would take his money, or her money, or whatever they were, and buy them out of slavery, bring them into the church. They will become a slave for Christ, which means what? You're free. You are free from anything. And even if you go back and look at some of these old churches that were set up, even on the walls of the church, there would be this particular phrase in the Greek or the Hebrew that would show us that they were set free from the slave. The same words that he used here is for freedom, as for liberty, they were used the same way to purchase these slaves. They would have let them free. In the same way that Paul is trying to tell the church of Galatia, you are set free, you are purchased, you're, you're done, you have, you're given free will to do what you want to do. You don't have to follow legalism. He also wants them to stand firm. It was be, be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. The second part of verse 1. It's a pity that people are set free and they fall right back into bondage. It's a pity that people will leave a life of slavery to sin and being bound down and going to hell and they get set free and they fall right back into a pit. Isn't that sad? And we see it each and every day. We see it within different denominations, within different thought processes, within different dogmas, within different legalistic attitudes that they fall right back into a slave and says, you got to do this too. <laughs> you accepted Christ, you better do this. And I don't have to lay out a big long line of the Jesus and thought processes because I've been hitting that for two or three months. I hope you understand what, what's going on in a lot of our churches and a lot of our ideas. But they have been enslaved by sin and people voluntarily enable themselves to be slaves again by entering legalism. This is what Paul was trying to convince the Galatians, don't do this. Don't be set free 
and bind yourselves all over again. In fact, Paul tells them to stand firm. What he's trying to tell them is stay out of it. Get away from them. We already covered it last week where he says to separate yourselves, get away from them, get them out of your church. You don't need them there to be teaching you this junk. Get rid of the Judaizers. We don't need them in the church. And then once again, he's referring to them with the yoke of slavery. False teachers were placing a yoke of slavery on the people within the church. And Paul was telling them, be stubborn like an ox and don't take the yoke. Don't let them put it on you. Don't let them teach it to you. Do not accept it. Don't be initiated into slavery. Behold, verse 2, Behold, I, Paul, say to you that if you be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. Was Paul talking about these people that were already circumcised, that were already Jews? No. Was Paul talking about people that are circumcised today for whatever reasons? No. Paul is addressing the people that were only being circumcised to enter into believing Jesus Christ. If they were using that as a means to receive salvation, Paul is telling you, you're doing it for nothing. You are doing it for no reason. Paul is addressing that legalistic attitude here. He's talking about who wants to join up with the legalist. Whoever wants to follow these other rules. He's saying if you rely on circumcision, you're not relying on Christ. And I'll tell you today that if, you're, if you think you're doing anything in the church that connects you with Jesus other than faith, you're wrong. And Paul's trying to tell the church at Galatia this. And he's addressing it over and over again throughout this book. It doesn't take circumcision. It doesn't take giving money. It doesn't take being good. It doesn't take showing up every Sunday. It doesn't take this. It doesn't take work. It doesn't take any of these things. We know that uh, we can show our faith by our works, and we can show our works by our faith, and different things like that. And, and faith that works is what is dead faith. And, and we can show us our faith by our works. But I'll also tell you this. It takes faith, and that's it. It takes faith. We're going to show it by doing things, but I want you to know something. Ain't nothing you're going to do that's going to get you into heaven. Ain't nothing you're going to really do. Ain't nothing you're going to build. Ain't nothing you're going to say. Ain't nothing. You can go out and do all you want to. It takes faith. The reliance on circumcision, the reliance on whatever you think you're getting into heaven doing, needs to stop. Right here, right now, if you've got an idea that something you have done will get you into heaven other than having faith in Jesus, you're wrong. And that's what Paul is trying to point out. It's not all this other stuff. There was a legalist, you know, they have their own rituals and they want to put you through things. They have a certain set of rules that they want, to, want you to be a part of a group. And, and I read a story this week about Jimmy the tailor. There was a man named Joe that went and bought a suit. And the suit didn't fit him right. And he asked his friend, he said, friend, I, I, I need to get my, my suit uh, altered by somebody here in town. He said, oh, oh, you need to go see Jimmy the tailor. He said, okay. Well, Joe went and saw Jimmy the tailor. He got all of his alterations done. Jimmy the tailor called him up and said, hey, you need to come get your suit. Joe showed up, tried the suit on. It was bad. The armhole was in the front of the shirt. Pants was way too tight, didn't fit him right. And, and Joe had brought his friend with him that told him to go to Jimmy the tailor. And when his friend went in with him and he put the suit on, and the guy, Joe, sitting there thinking, my goodness, this doesn't fit right. And you know what his friend said? His friend said, that looks great. Take the suit, buddy. That looks good. He said, okay. Well, Joe left, and he felt so good about what had been done, he even wore it home, and he took the bus home. And he was sitting on the bus, and the guy across the seat from him said, you must have went and saw Jimmy the tailor. And he said, why, yes. How could you tell? He said, 
Jimmy the tailor always does all, all the alterations for people that have deformities like you. He said, what? He said, every deformed person I know has had a suit altered by Jimmy the tailor. And he looks and he says, my goodness, what had happened was the same way that Joe had been tricked into going to this person, didn't know what they were doing, did a horrible job with his suit, made him look deformed because all the, the holes and everything altered wrong in his clothes. His friend told him what? Looked good. How many of us fall trapped to certain things because the people around us tells us, it looks good, it looks great, everything's good. That falls into that legalism aspect where everybody tells you, yeah, everything's right, everything's good. When there's enough people around you that tell you that you're doing a good job and everything's right, you'll feel that everything's right. And then sometimes it takes somebody saying, yeah, that ain't right. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you sort of look the part, but that ain't quite right. He had an armhole sticking out the wrong way, and it took somebody pointing it out to him. It's the idea of what Christian faith should look like. Then they push and shove people until they fit. They're wrong, but they're going to make it fit. It may be the most grotesque form of religion you can imagine, but it fits great. How many of us have ever been caught up in that? Hey, I've been a Christian for a long time, and I tell you, I have fallen short and fallen into legalism where I thought it would fit just right. And later I look and say, boy, that's ugly. That ain't right. It's never, there's no way that's right. That doesn't show the love of Christ. That doesn't show a love to my neighbor. That doesn't show this. I, there's no way that what I believe and what I was told to believe is correct. Christ is shown to value nothing with that process. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you for my burden is light and my yoke is easy. The cultists want to take you and put a different yoke on you. They do. They want to take this yoke of slavery. They want to take the yoke of freedom and make it mean nothing. They want to take the yoke of slavery and then the yoke of freedom is useless. Christ will profit nothing to those who trust in their own work in keeping a law. doesn't work. It's not just a matter of adding extra to the gospel. It's a matter of changing it to no gospel at all. That's what Paul writes at the very beginning of the book of Galatians, chapter 1, 6 through 7. It's nothing. If you want to add to this, it means nothing. Christ was crucified for nothing. If we want to preach and teach that you have to do certain steps, certain things, and we have to follow through, and faith is nothing, Jesus was nothing. The crucifixion was nothing. Verse 7, for I testify again to... Verse 3, for I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. If you're going to follow a piece of the law to try to be saved, you better follow the rest of it. We don't have to anymore. Verses 4 through 6, as Christ has become of no effect unto you, whosoever of you are justified by the law, you are fallen from grace. For we through the faith wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision, circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. Let me tell you that again. Faith which worketh by what? Love. If you don't stand firm, you're going to fall. You have fallen away from grace. The word translated fallen is a nautical term. It means to drift off course. Which, what does that mean? It can be corrected. You know that a boat will never get back on course once it's drifted off course unless somebody turns the wheel. 
yeah, fallen from grace. What Paul is trying to tell them is, is you have made a mistake. What you are trying to learn, what you're trying to adopt and practice in the church, you have made a mistake, but you can correct it. You can get back on track. As a church today, if we become a legalist, as a Christian today, if you become a legalist, as a sister in Christ or brother in Christ, if you become a legalist uh, telling people, yeah, uh, if you haven't prayed today, you're, you're probably lost. Or, or if you haven't asked God to forgive, no, it's about faith. It's about love. It's about Jesus Christ. It doesn't take anything on top of what you've already understood. It takes that. If you have fallen away, you can fix it. And what is the way to fix it in verse 5? Faith. You've gotten off course, church. If the church at Galatia, if Paul could tell the church at Galatia one thing, it says, I know, you know, we've already talked about all the things he's pointing out that they're doing wrong. And he gets to this chapter here and he's trying to tell them, I know that you've done wrong, and you know that you've done wrong. It only takes faith. If you want to follow the law, he's already, he's already told him, I think, in the last sermon, it was, hey, do you not hear yourselves? <laughs> do you not hear what you're saying? And now he's getting to the point where, church, you know better. You can fix it. You can fix it. Falling away is not avoided by working hard. Falling away is not avoided by earning a safe place in God's favor, like the legalist thought. Falling away is only avoided by what? Keeping faith. That's the only way we can stay true. That's the only way we can stay on the right path. And we have to see in verse 7, 8, 9, 10, and all this good stuff, says, If ye did run well, who did hinder you, that ye should not obey the truth? This persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. A little leaven. Verse 9, I preached this all standalone. This has probably heard this before. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. I have confidence in you through the Lord, that ye will be none otherwise minded, but he that troubleth you shall bear his judgment, whosoever he be. And I, brethren, if I yet preach circumcision, yet do I yet suffer persecution, then is the offense of the cross ceased. I would they were even cut off which trouble you. We've already went back to the same thing we were talking about in the last chapter. We need to get rid of it. A little bit of yeast, a little bit of leaven, leaveneth the whole lump. We have to know that if we have false teachers in the church, if I'm teaching false teachings, Lord help, y'all better tell me. And what y'all need to do is if I'm teaching and preaching the wrong stuff, y'all need to get rid of me. And I'm not sugarcoating that. If I'm getting up and I'm preaching something that is not this saith the word of God, is my own opinion, is my own attitude, and I hope and pray that I do not do that each and every Sunday, better get rid of me. If we have teachers that stand up and teach and they are not teaching the word of God, you need to get rid of them. And that's what Paul is trying to say here at the church at Galatia. Get rid of the Judaizers. Get them out. You let a little bit of leaven in, and they're going to go throughout the church, and they're going to infect and infiltrate everything within the church. Everything will become completely controlled, completely contaminated. You've got to cut it off. Ain't that, ain't that kind of ugly to hear sometimes? If you have false teachers in the church, you've got to get rid of them. You've got to cut them off. A small dose of stink can spread everywhere. I hope I don't stink like that. Some of you might be smiling. You hope you don't stink. Yeah, I hope I don't. I hope that I ain't spread filth, heresy, all these rumors, a gossip mill. Uh, we have a small dose of this stinkingism. Legalism says when Christ died on the cross, he did not give the full package of salvation. That's what legalism does. Legalism says that Christ's work on the cross was not finished, even though Christ said what? It is finished. 
When he hung on that cross, when the veil was ripped, what does it say in the Word of God? From the top to the bottom, praise the Lord, God came down, ripped that thing in half. It was done. There's nothing you can add to it. We don't have to be legalists. We don't have to add to it. The bread is the symbolic nature of the gospel. He was saying to the people, do not hide legalism in the gospel. Do not bring people in to understand that it takes faith to save them and then mingle in little other beliefs. You don't have to be hardcore hyper-Armenianism. We don't have to be hyper-Calvinism. We don't have to be uh, certain beliefs that we have to believe this way or believe this way. Just believe in Jesus. Just have faith. Uh, just trust in Him. Watch out for it. Watch. I've seen it. I've seen it in churches. I've seen legalism pick its little head. And what's sad was, I didn't even know it was going on when it was going on, but I do now. <laughs> Well, it takes a little time to figure out sometimes what legalism really is. Don't take, what Paul is really trying to say is, don't take any other view except the gospel view. Don't take any other view unless it's the Bible view. That's what I'm telling you today. Don't take anything else that ain't in that Word of God. And Paul believed the Galatians would eventually stand firm. I Paul, in so many ways, he has, boy, he's been tough. And in the first four chapters of the book of Galatians, even a part of chapter 5 here, he's kind of tough on them. And I've talked about it in the first message. Paul doesn't really write anything nice <laughs> to start it off. He goes straight into drumming home on the Galatians about what they had believed. And we get to this part here in chapter 5 where Paul shows his love and his care, and he believes that the church at Galatia will get back on track. He believed they would ultimately reject the teachings of the Judaizers. He believed it. He says, I'm confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. They would eventually see that the teachings of the legalist was what? It was an intrusion. It was leaven. It was souring everything in their lives. It was destroying what they really believed in. He, they had become rebound. Isn't it good... If you think back to the day you were saved, that, that, that weight that was just gone, that, that freedom that you had, that you wanted to, you just wanted to tell everybody, exclaim it, uh, tell everybody that you I, I remember when I got saved, I went to, to school the next day. Of course, I got saved on a Sunday morning. And I went to school the next Monday afternoon. We had football practice. I had a guy uh, dressing out and getting ready. He said, what'd you do this weekend, Stone? And I looked at him and said, man, I got saved this weekend. I couldn't hold that in. I had to tell people. You know what that fellow looked at me and said? Nothing. <laughs> I, remember the, I remember the face that he made when I said that. I, can still, I still remember who it was, remember his name. I remember him. When he heard that, he turned completely the other way and kept on doing what he was doing. He didn't like that. There was an intrusion. The law of love and Verse 13 through 15. For you, brethren, ye have called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion, but to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the laws fulfilled in one word, even in this. Listen to this, church. Thou shalt love, love thy neighbor as thyself. But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. What Paul is really trying to get, I believe that you're going to make the right choice. I trust that you're not going to be bound to this way of slavery. And you are called to be free, and you are going to be free. 
I trust you. I trust you today, church. I do. I don't believe that we're bound to the way of bondage. And in the NIV in 513, it says, Ye, my brothers, are called to be free. That's what Paul tries to say. You're called to be free. We're called to be free, church. We are free. We are not bound to anything else. We don't have to think that there's something else we have to do. We don't have to feel like we're, we're burdensome. If you feel like you have to get to church each and every Sunday, and that is a burden to you, I want you to realize something. That's legalism. You don't have to feel a burden. Hey, I'm excited to come to church. I like to come to church. I like to proclaim His name. I like to see other Christians. I like to see people that believe in Jesus. I like to see people grow. I like to see people proclaim the name. I like to see people teach and preach and sing. It's not a burden. I'm not shackled down that I have to come to church every Sunday. I know people that feel that way. Ugh, I got to get up and go to church. That ain't my life. That ain't how I look at it. I get to go to church. I get to go praise His name. How are we shackled? How are we re-entering a way of slavery? There is always the danger that people will go from one villain to the next. You ever thought about that? They go from one villain to the next, one villain to the next. You ever seen them people that seem like they always have bad relationships? It's just constantly, they always date just the bad people. They pick the worst people ever, and they date the worst people ever. I remember looking back at some of the people that I went to school with. They'd be in a bad relationship to follow up with another bad relationship to follow up with another bad relationship. It doesn't seem like everything working out for them. And I see people in, in the Christian faith that do the same thing. They're in a way of bondage to sin and slavery, and they get saved, and the first thing they do is they look for another way to be in bondage and slavery. They got the freedom, and now they're right back in it. We like that as people. It seems like we're hardwired. We've been set free and we fall for something else. New Christians find themselves in spiritual freedom and foolishly rush into a new slavery. They spend their whole lives trying to satisfy a fleshly appetite. They do. It's almost like a drug addiction. <laughs> we're selfish. We want to do something that we, we feel like we have done good. Rather, we should really just serve each other. Did y'all hear me today? Really, the whole point, the whole thought process is right in the church at Galatians. You are trying to feel good about yourself by something that you did to yourself. Y'all not realize that's what circumcision was? You decided to take it upon yourself to go do something for yourself uh, to make yourself better. Paul says that's not right. Paul says to love thy neighbor as thyself. It ain't about you. It ain't about what happens to you. It ain't about what you do or how big your bank account is or what you've done or how you look or how you dress or how you got to church or whatever. It ain't about none of that stuff. It's about you and your neighbor. What have you done for each other? That's what Paul's trying to point out. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what fleshly things you've done. I don't care how you've changed your appearance. I care about what you've done for each other. What have you done? There's irony here. He's talking about not being a servant to sin and to, to legalism or to the flesh. But then Paul turns around and, to, and uses a word to be slaves to each other. Did y'all hear me, church? Uh, you, we're called to be a slave to one another. Is Zach, you telling me to be a slave to you? No. <laughs> Don't misunderstand what I'm trying to tell you that Paul's trying to write. Paul tells us a servant serves each other. Paul says to help each other. 
Paul says that all these things are going against you. You've got people going in behind my back trying to teach you the wrong things and the wrong things have been called out. You know wrong from right. Get rid of them. Get straightened up. And what does he tell them to do after that? Love each other. And that's it. It doesn't get real deep in the gospel because it ain't real deep. It's loving each other. It's loving the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy strength, with all thy might, and to love thy neighbor as thyself. I can't preach that enough. If that doesn't put a grin on a preacher's face, something's wrong. And that's all it takes. It doesn't take me dunking you. It doesn't take a, a doing a certain number of steps. It doesn't take this or that. It takes faith. It doesn't take circumcision. It doesn't take anything else. True freedom is found in serving each other. That's, that's difficult to believe sometimes, but that's it. The entire law is found in love. 514, for all the law is fulfilled... Jack Stone, you better sit down. In one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Legalists sum up the scriptures this way: thou shalt not. <laughs> That's how a legalist sums up the scriptures. God sums up the scriptures with one word: love. Legalists build fences to keep everybody in. God builds bridges for you to get to where you need to go. Legalists hold us in sin and God causes us to reach out to others in love. I want you to know something today. The legalism, legalistic thoughts and attitudes will ultimately kill a church. They will. They'll drive it down and make it uh, completely uh, indifferent to the gospel of Jesus Christ. But I want you to know something. It only takes faith. It only takes love. That's all it is today. If there's anything else I could preach to you, boy, I'd love to preach it. But it's just faith and love. That's it. As they get a verse of some song ready this morning. You've already tried lots of things. And if you've tried everything else to get yourself right, to get your neighbors to act right, or to get your community back on track, you can do all the things in this world. You can. You can do a hot dog cooking contest. You can do a fish fry. I'm not knocking any of those things, but I want you to know something. Those things don't save folks. Those things don't get people to accept Jesus Christ. I ain't never munched on an old greasy piece of fried catfish and said, mmm, I do love the Lord. That doesn't usually work that way. <laughs> I don't say, well, if I, if I quit eating bacon, I'll get closer to the Lord. Bacon's delicious. I may feel a little closer to the Lord when I'm eating bacon. I don't know. But I do know this. Legalism don't save you. Jesus saves you. Faith in Jesus saves you. Why not try love today? If you've tried all other things to get close to God, try love. That'll work. As we stand with Paige again.